Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Gateway brought to you by the Northern Illinois University College of Business where your future is without boundaries and our approach is to. I am joined as always with my incredible co-host Dr. Biagio Palese. Hello Biagio! Ciao a tutti! Welcome, welcome to another great episode. For this episode, looking into learning, we will explore how technology is impacting one of the most important elements of society, education. Around the world, incredible amounts of resources are spent to improve the education of all people. During the past few years, education has bent and flexed to continue the growth and enlightenment of learners while navigating a global pandemic. Technology has been at the forefront of these essential shifts. And to help us examine these new approaches that technology has created for education, the Gateway is proud to welcome Dr. Marlo Barnett. Dr. Barnett is the first black woman to graduate with a PhD from Northern Illinois University's Instructional Technology Program. Dr. Barnett has an impeccable background in education which encompasses over 20 years of experience spanning higher ed and K-12 education. Dr. Barnett has earned an impressive five degrees from both traditional and online settings. Dr. Barnett currently serves as the Vice President for Computer Science for Illinois and is NIU's Board of Director Chair of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force. Dr. Barnett has also been the President and Vice President for the Computer Science Teachers Association. Dr. Barnett has assisted with writing the nationwide framework for artificial intelligence K-12. Generally, Dr. Barnett's work focuses on overcoming systemic barriers with an essential focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Dr. Barnett's work strives to address policy issues and trends that impact effectiveness. I cannot think of a better person to talk to about the intersection of education, technology, and society. Welcome, Dr. Barnett, to The Gateway. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to I wanna start right from the beginning, and, and I want to kind of understand why, why education? Why was that the, the thing that kind of pulled you into your career and into all of the incredible things you've done? Yes, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both of you for having me on. Um, I'm very excited. Um, that's a great question uh, you asked. And so why education? Um, education is the foundation, actually, of of us, of our nation, of our society, you know, it's where we get our uh, footing, you know, it's, it's where we begin to understand. So uh, that's why education, uh, I got interested and uh, passionate about education because um, I'm a helper. So I like to, <laughs> right, I like, I like to help people. And so, um, I mean, there's all different type of career paths you can go into to help people. Uh, healthcare is not one of them. <laughs> I don't like the side of blood really, especially when it's my own. So, um, you know, that's, that's um, you know, wasn't doable for me, but, you know, in helping uh, children, especially grow and learn, you know, very passionate about, you know, uh, setting an example, you know, for our society and, um, you know, just cultivating a, a new group of gener uh, generational uh children and students that will, you know, uh, lead us into the next, you know, uh, future or whatever. So that that's why. Perfect. I, I, I love that. And I like, that's why I enjoy, you know, doing this job because I get to meet other helpers and, and kind of see, see us all come together there. So I, I want to go and I want to start broad and then we'll, we'll get into some more of the details. But um, if, if, you as a expert and an incredibly wise person coming from all of your experience within education, if you saw 
an area that we need to improve or something that you could wave a magic wand at right now? What, what just in your perspective, would that be? What, what do you think we really need to work on as a country, as a you know, region or globally even? Yeah, sure. Uh, equity, you know, uh, equity uh, in, in, uh, in everything, because we, um, we are born and we can't determine um, to whom we're born to. We can't determine uh, in what culture we're born in and what communities and neighborhoods we live, we, uh, our parents uh, live in. So uh, therefore, if we can't determine that at birth, then uh, as we grow and as we uh, experience uh, things and uh, learn, uh, we need to have, you know, resources to do that. And so it's not fair that, you know, through the fault of our own for being, from being born that we don't have, uh, that some lack resources than others. So Dr. Barnett, I, I hear that term a, a lot, you know, equity and um, mm -hmm. being equitable. Can you just for our conversation, give a, a working definition of that? So we all are, are on the exact same understanding of it, because I think there, there's some different connotations associated with that. Yeah, so uh, opposed to equity being uh, equal. So equal would mean, you know, having a uh, you know, uh, equal would mean that, okay, so I give you, you know, uh, everyone has the same amount, you know, and that's, so that's not kind of fair because if everyone has the same amount, if you already, you know, um, if you already have certain things to prepare you for what I'm giving you uh, in a sense, then, you know, that still wouldn't be fair. Equity, in a sense, is providing that additional support, providing that something additional that uh, people lack. So in disability, you know, for instance, if, if uh, there are uh, disabled uh, people that, you know, that they, uh, if you need a wheelchair to get around in, you know, so we will give them uh, the wheelchairs, not, uh, it wouldn't, Equity means that we give you the wheelchair so that you can uh, be mobile, mm. you can move around. You know, um, it's not uh, equitable for you to go to uh, a stadium and we're standing uh, behind this fence and I'm tall enough and I can see through no fault of my own because I'm tall, I can see, but yet, you know, we have a shorter person or somebody that's on crutches or whatever, and the fence is blocking them from seeing whatever it is that they need to see, you know, behind the fence. So um, in, a in a sense that equity um, provides those additional resources and tools to help uh, those individuals. If that makes sense, it, it it does completely, and I think that that's a very in, in, important shift that that I'm I'm very happy seeing because I think a lot of people are like, well, if, if there's if there's two bathrooms for for everyone, it's it's fine, it's equitable or you know it's equal and we're all good. When really there there may be other other requirements or, or needs that aren't being met by just those that the specific number being the same. So thank you for exactly. yeah, thank you for explaining that to us because I because I think especially right now and I'm sure within your experience I, I feel like education has interestingly enough become a hot topic within the political conversations here much more than <laughs> previously now I might be very ignorant and, and I actually now I'm reflecting back on on you know 60s and 70s when education yeah. was was very <laughs> very much so a hot topic one but are you seeing that kind of um that kind of fire, for lack of a better word, kind of uh, facing education more now? Yeah, you know, and so, and, and let me just, you know, provide a caveat to that. Education has always been political. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always been political. Um, it's just that the reason why it's, uh, it, it's being um, talked about so much uh, in our society and news and everywhere is because uh, education is, is changing and we society is kind of refusing to change with it. 
you know, so um, what I mean by that is that uh, because of technology, because of the pandemic, you know, it has forced us to um, do education differently, to look at education differently, to look at the things that we are teaching uh, and, and with the way students are learning differently. However, there are certain mechanisms and systems that are in place that is, you know, kind of reluctant to jump into the, to, to the new future where we are. So that becomes political because um, as we talk about the pandemic, you know, the pandemic where education was traditionally face-to-face, -face, you know, and uh, where we add in factor in the pandemic where, okay, now we have this virus going around where students and teachers cannot be, you know, in the same rooms together. How does that impact education? Well, you know, through technology, students can now learn online, you know, but um, as teachers are not prepared to teach online and students are uh, not prepared um, to, uh, you know, figure out all the functionality features on how to navigate the different tools and things online. So that poses a, a problem. And then, so we're not post pandemic, but now when you say that, okay, uh, well, mask on, mask off. So now we've opened the, the school systems back up. And so now teachers and students can go in there and do traditional class, uh, teaching again and learning or whatever. But then when you still factor in the pandemic and not everybody, you know, now it's a choice of being vaccinated or not wearing the mask. So now you pose a, as it gets even more political when a teacher that maybe against vaccination, you know, their personal choice has to go into a classroom full of students that their parents say, hey, well, I don't want you to wear a mask, you know, so now we're, you know, we're entering a day and time where, you know, teachers are considering and, and parents are considering, you know, health issues when it comes to teaching and learning. So that's why it's so political and teachers are starting to walk away and say, hey, this is not worth my health. You know, um, it's not worth all the stress anymore. Parents are saying, well, I want to, you know, uh, have the, the option of sending my child to a school and have them uh, learn in, in an environment of my choice, you know, so mm. that poses, you know, a lot of political debate <laughs> these days. Do you... So education and, and teachers specifically, especially in, in K through 12, I, I feel like we enjoy the mythology of a teacher. And, and I think movies, cinema, all those things uplift uh, those white savior roles, those people that go in and, and change lives. And we all walk away from the movie feeling good about ourselves, even though all we've done is sat and watched a movie for two hours. Sure. But then in reality, when teachers are, are what I would assume underpaid, provided least or, or not as many resources as they need, like we have the mythology, but then the reality is different. Is, is, that, is that impacting the overall education or am I completely wrong and, and being a teacher is incredible and awesome? No, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. There is this utopia world where sometimes the movies depict like, you know, this is the, you know, teachers, um, they wake up and they're happy to, you know, teach. And uh, we all live in this world where you send your kids off to school and they're learning and things like that. But, you know, realistically, like I said, those other uh, problems, um, issues uh, and challenges are there now that we're in the pandemic. And not to mention that there, there has always been a lack of uh, pay into where teachers are fighting for, uh, for, for, for more pay, you know, which is, you know, justifiable because mm -hmm. teachers, um, you know, they have a hard job, you know, these days. And when you factor in the violence that's going on the, uh, and the, sometimes these school shootings that takes place where teachers are also putting their uh, lives at risk, you know, uh, these days where you didn't have that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, 20, 30 years ago where you didn't have these massive uh, shootings in schools and things like that. So, um, 
Yeah, it's it's the reality is is that th there's a paradigm shift, you know, that's that's taking place, and and um, you know, I just think that uh, the way we are doing education and and looking at education, it's like we want to hold on to what we always known to be <laughs> with education, <laughs> and not just jump into the Jetsons. You know, I mean, the Jetsons <laughs> came out like what. 30 years ago, right? <laughs> right? They were already, you know, learning on iPads and things like that or whatever. And here we are still fighting for, you know, just basic technology, working technology in the classrooms, you know? So, um, yeah, so it, it's, you know, it's, it's that, uh, you know, utopia world, you know, where the, the movies and things depict you know, the, this this utopia world where everybody is happy and everything is grand and, you know, education should be that way. I mean, it's, it's fun. I wish that we can get back to some of that creativity and, you know, where teachers are excited to go into the classrooms and things like that. But when you're hindered with so many different challenges and issues or whatever, then it poses a problem. Hmm. I, I kind of want to jump in uh, to, to this, this conversation because... I mean, uh, already some of the topics that we touch, I think they are like, extremely important. Uh, from from the equity point of view, I definitely agree with, with Dr. Barnett's statement that says like, it's just not because I'm born in a certain family, in a certain location, I should have access to some resources that can that teach me or, or give me a passion towards something. Uh, again, just because I can't choose where I'm born or where I'm from. I'm, I'm from Italy. Uh, you know, at, at my my time when I was growing up, there were friends of mine that have phones and internet at home. I didn't have that, and and I maybe for that reason I wasn't that good with technology at the beginning. And then only when I went to college and you know I get exposed to that, I get passionate about it. And so um, yeah, that's that's definitely one of the problem. The fact that just because I'm born in a certain area or in certain um, family I, i'm not going to be able to have access to, to something that is so important and technology has a role in this because uh has the potential to uh to make all us better but uh when when it's not like the resources even like the internet is not as fast for everybody in every exactly. or they don't have the laptop laptop at home and stuff like that that they create even more discrepancies and that's that's something I don't know how much work there is around it uh, in the state of Illinois or in general, but definitely should have more, more attention because these are the people that one day will go to college, they will be in our classes and you want exactly. them to be exposed to technology and not only be exposed, but also be able to use them in an efficiently and effective way because I think that's the key. These kids are, my daughter know how to use a tablet. She's three years old and I <laughs> yes. don't know how she does that, but... <laughs> But then, but then when I go to the classroom, sometimes my students don't know how to, you know, use shortcuts on a keyboard. And, and that's right. saved thousands of times of, you know, their day, if they write a report or whatever they are doing, right? So all, all these things are kind of connected in, um, in, in, in this society in 2022, we should, we should definitely uh, advance towards something where, you know, everybody receive a certain training or a certain ability to use technology so that we are prepared for college. We are prepared for life. Um, and, and so I don't know if, if this is a question or what's going on, but I was just curious or like what what is um, what is your opinion on this? And if if there is something going on that kind of promotes this, uh, I, I don't know, like technology efficiency or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you bring up some very valid points. I mean, here you are, you know, um, and, and from your accent, because you have a very deep accent, you know, <laughs> uh, very prominent, um, from a different country from, uh, you know, from Italy, right? Yeah, yes. and so, yeah, we, I mean, we can't choose, you know, where, where we're born at, and even you had difficulties, you know, um, and the lack of access, uh, there. So it's not only, you know, our nation's problem, but it's a global uh, problem, you know, and I think that uh, 
education has to, the people in education and the powers that be have to really catch up to where uh, education has already gone. And I'm just gonna say already gone because um, I mean, we've we've been through, you know, we're still in a pandemic, but, you know, at the start of uh, at the pandemic, we've all had to work from home and go to school and things like that. So what do we do, you know, with all of this information? And, and I know that there is a struggle for people that want things to go back to the way that they were. But, you know, in reality, we should have already kind of been, you know, uh, kind of learning, you know, in, in this environment. And some some schools and districts, uh, you know, not just here, but across the world have, you know, and uh, you can tell that they, um, they, they are uh, far off better than, you know, the uh, communities and school districts that, that don't. You know, so one one of the things that we can do is that we can definitely, um, you know, continue to, you know, advocate in my case, you know, for uh, for equity, you know, in in education um, and technology and just education uh, overall. Uh, you know, students, um, I'm not opposed to, you know, students uh, being able to do a hybrid uh, environment where they are uh, being exposed to both online uh, learning, teaching and learning and face to face. As you said, your three-year-old daughter, which is uh, my daughter is now 11, 12. <laughs> and at three years old, she had an iPad and she just, you know, she was on these games. I'm like, how do you? She takes mine though. It's not hers. <laughs> yeah. it's mine. I, I, I just don't know how, how the, the, our little babies here now, they, they come prepared, you know, <laughs> to meet this 21st century environment. And instead of us trying to uh, cultivate you know, uh, them where they are, it's like, and then like you said, when they get in the classroom, then they don't know how to do uh, control, alt, delete, or do all of the shortcuts that's on a keyboard. Um, I see the keyboard really as as valuable as a writing utensil, Mm -hmm. you know, that they need to, the moment that they start writing their name, they need to start learning how to use a keyboard. You know, I I see it just as valuable because um, everything that we do now in society is done through some type of technology, you know, so that that's kind of my uh, perspective and and viewpoint on it. I mean, I I, I mean, to be honest, like is is very rare that you writing something by end anymore. I mean, at least at least in my job, I, I, I write notes. That's all I do, but then I, I probably have to find a way to digitize them so I can keep them, you know, uh, so I write them on the iPod, you know? So yeah, I, I yeah, it. and we, we, we really don't lose that because it, we can so we can still take handwriting and make it digital, like you said, you know, um, but guess what? When you introduce technology into it, you can do so much with, you know, just that handwriting piece. You can create art with it, digital art with it, and, mm-hmm. and, and now we're getting into NFTs and things like, like that, so... <laughs> You know, there's just so much, you know, but um, again, it's so political sized because, um, you know, some of the powers that be, some of the leaders, you know, they, you know, they want to move into technology and embrace it, but they don't want to, but, but it's kind of this like pulling factor where, okay, no, we, we got to stick to traditional learning, you know, Mm. so it's kind of this pulling factor there. It's the struggle. Yeah. And and one of the the debates that I hear a lot about, uh, specifically within education and and students would be like the screen time, you know, the idea that that students are are spending way too much time or, or that we're integrating that in there. Where, where do you see as you're talking about your, your children locking into an iPad and understanding it very, uh, very simply and, and quickly, how are we, where do you see that going within education? Are we going to be at a time where there is no paper and everything's done through a screen and that's just the way it is? 
yeah, hopefully that there could be a balance, but we mm. can't get to having a balance if we're not willing to, you know, at, at try, you know, if we're not mm. willing to say, okay, you know, because I think as we progress through this pandemic that, you know, it should have just continued to be a balance where, okay, maybe the students go to school, you know, face-to-face three times and, and have, you know, some remote learning. But then there are some social economic issues that a lot of uh, leaders bring up with uh, parents, for instance, that are in underrepresented uh, communities where the parents are at work and who's going to be at home watching them while they're, you know, going to school online. So while we're worried about screen time and you have other parents worried about, well, I'm not so much concerned about screen time. Yes, but now who's going to be at home to, you know, uh, monitor my child, you know, at home while they're online. So but I think that a lot of these uh, these issues are just growing points if we use them in that way uh, that we can work it out, figure it out. I mean, you know, it's it's parents do work, you know, and we don't <laughs> want them to, to, to stop working. But we've always found a way around uh, innovative ways around those things. And I think that those are the type of um, strategies that need to come out, you know, uh, out of um, of where we are now. But we can't do that if we always go back to, well, this is the way we've always done it. This is the mm. way education has been for the last 30, 40 years. You know, uh, yes, uh, we are concerned students have too much screen time and not enough outdoor play time. But when you factor in, again, you know, technology, um, there's all types of things that, uh, that, that there's go noodle, <laughs> you know, there's one of those, <laughs> you know, that I'm used to uh, doing and implementing in the classroom. I mean, there just has to be a balance, you know, mm-hmm. to, to all of it you know, that's, that's my, uh, you know, response to that. It, it, it has to be a balance and we have to experiment in a way, in a sense, to get to that balance. Yeah. Like kind of like on, on this point, I, I do believe that, uh, as you were saying, as some, some schools are more advanced and experiment and try that because maybe they have more resources, they're going to bring the kid. I think they will increase the discrepancy between, you know, uh, just just different location and different school district, and that that's not something uh, that that you would want because uh, again, in the end, there would be a gap between how much the kids that are in school that are experimenting. I don't know, uh, you know, writing on a iPad as a skill, right? Yeah. Uh, rather than writing on a paper, those those kids will by just using the technology more, they will be more uh, e- will navigate technology more moving forward in their career, right? And some of the the things they would do, writing a word document and stuff like that, those are again skills that they would use throughout college and even uh, after that. So uh, I, I think it's kind of like um, there, there needs to be a strategy at a higher level in the sense that if some school are just behind the, the technology that they have in the classroom, there needs to be an investment towards that direction. Uh, even though, like it might seem that upfront you have more cost, but then maybe you save on paper and you save on the environment because you don't need all that paper to be used. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a trade-off and I hope that there is a higher level they see that shouldn't be that political. It should be about like, you know, raising, you know, uh, the next generation, as you said, as, as the future of the nation, as the future of the world. Yeah, exactly. Because all of that, you know, uh, when I was teaching uh, to the, uh, the the biggest cost in schools was paper, <laughs> was mm-hmm. copying paper, <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, to cut down on that, let's save some trees while we're doing it. And, you know, it's good for the environment. And all is not lost, you know, and I and I think that that is the scary part with some people because they believe that, well, all is lost and, you know, uh, this technology is, is just taking over. But, 
we are constantly building on, like you said, these skills, these uh, 21st century skills that are very needed um, to even function in today's society. I mean, when you walk into any restaurant anywhere, there's uh, technology. You can't mm -hmm. go into any store. You can't, you know, uh, the technology is, is everywhere in, in our society. I mean, even when we get, we have smart TVs now, you know, everything is, uh, it's like a mini computer. Mm -hmm. So, I remember. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is our society. And, um, you know, I, I just, I think once we get over this hump that uh, education, where, te where technology and education actually meet, I think that we will begin to um, live in that you know, utopia world where everything is now back to being creative and fun and um, not, not, not that it's not, but it's like I said, we're in this struggle kind of moment and growth and change always comes about with a struggle. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think that this is just uh, one of those periods in our lifetime that uh, 20 years from now, you know, we're going to look back and say, yeah, we could have did some things better. Um, but I think we're going to ultimately end up where we should be, you know, and, and hopefully that equity piece uh, will will be there um, where all students um, are able to, you know, uh, get the resources and tools that they need where they're all learning kind of, uh, you, you know, the the same, you know, mm -hmm. so I mean, how how great would it be if I'm I live in Chicago and I'm a third grader and I'm talking to someone that lives in a different country, mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, think of the power that that could bring, you know, and this is the power of, of technology and learning these days. I, re I remember when I was uh, in middle school, we were doing an exchange by sending letters to, to kids from all over the yes. world and then and then it will take you months to hear back from them and <laughs> then we kind of lose the enthusiasm it was my pen friend from from another country but but now it can be almost real time you can FaceTime to them you can you know learning a different language is yeah it's definitely as you said like the, the pandemic uh with all the bad that they brought brought some disrupt disruption in the education uh, that it shouldn't be like doing step back at this point because there are some benefits of that we learn. Like I learned, for example, doing virtual office hours rather than asking my student to commute for just one question. Absolutely. You know, uh, I think that gives flexibility that that is beneficial for everybody. And I mean, most of the things I can do, you can share a screen and whatever. I can I can solve it. Uh, so I don't need I don't need to you know consume gas or whatever it is, but just. Time is precious for everybody, so it is. And you can just be, um, you know, considerate of that. Thanks to the technology. So, yes, I mean, it's technology should really make things easier uh, for us. Like you said, why have a student commute? You know, from you know, and again, that could be an equity issue where you know, mm -hmm. how am I going to meet these office hours? I don't have a car. I don't have transportation to continue to go there, and then that could. Pre, uh, present a barrier for students actually finishing school. You know, something that's, uh, as we think, as simple as keeping up with these office hours or whatever. But again, if they were offered, uh, like you said, you offer them um, online and they can just log in from anywhere, as long as they have the link to, to speak with you, they can log in from anywhere and, and that won't become a uh, barrier uh, for them. You know, now the, as far as the, you know, technology itself, you know, yes, but you know, uh, you figure on campus, they can go to a library or, you know, uh, use a computer, you know, in a student uh, center or whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that is one of the um, privileges, you know, one of the great things for having access to, to technology, that it makes things more uh, uh, convenient for us, you know, where we can have some, some time to do uh, other things, you know. But again, <laughs> what I have gotten to from a few people is that uh, 
you know, one of the reasons that they're so hesitant is that, well, okay, so we say you work from home because I have a job now that I'm working from home and uh, you, so now you're just going to be on the beach all day doing your, (laughs) you know, in Hawaii or somewhere living it up and, you know, doing your work. But even if that was the case, as long as you're, you know, you're committed to your job and you're doing whatever the assignment is, um, you know, you're doing your uh, duties for whatever that job calls for. Why is that such a, a bad thing if, <laughs> if you're on the on the beach or, you know, or near a lake or, <laughs> or whatever, you know, so I don't th- think that that's such a bad thing. But again, I think that it's just the mindset that some people have towards, you know, jumping into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you see like this mindset being like for people that have been in the education, like for, for longer time, you know, rather than people that just starting uh in the sense like sometimes the barriers is like like i remember when there was the first uh self-checkout at the, the grocery store and my grandmother said how i'm supposed to do that and like you know that's so inconvenient <laughs> right. and now and now everybody's is pretty much only self-checkout and you know amazon go doesn't even have a self-checkout you just walk out right do you see yeah. that the kind of like uh that type of barrier or or it's more like just people being traditional and uh, don't want to move on for what they used to. Yeah, people are afraid of change. <laughs> That's what it is. I can remember, and so I'm going to date my age, okay? So, <laughs> but I can remember the uh, onset of the microwave, <laughs> you know? And so uh, it would, I mean, and it's a piece of technology. I mean, and, you know, we had the microwave uh, in our home and I can remember my grandparents having a conversation about, you know, well, is, will the food be safe to eat? You know, how do we know? How, how can we trust this? We know we need to be still using a stove. We need to be using our ovens, you know? So, but as we know, you know, that um, microwave uh, did not, you know, kill us or anything like that, you know, um, there's a lot of foods and different um, varieties of things that can be made, you know, in the microwave and the microwave has made improvements, you know, over since the first one. So, and uh, you can't walk into a home these days without one, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, it's, and it's the same thing when um, black and white TVs went out, you know, yes, we had a black and white TV, (laughs) you know, but so it was like going from analog to digital. I remember that we were forced to go, you know, to uh, digital that they just did it uh, all at once. The government said, okay, we're no longer going to offer analog. We're going to go switch over to uh, digital. So that had to be a uh, a, a forced move. Um, so we were not using those, uh, those transistor uh, TVs and radios. You know, everything was uh, digital, which is now, this is another paradigm shift where we're getting more into, you know, using technology. But again, it's, it's more of, of everybody, you know, it's most people are fearful of change, you know, so that's, that's what it comes down to. And, um, you know, a lot of people that can't adapt to change, uh, you know, quickly, you know, and so it takes time to adjust and, and say, okay, you know, no, I'm not going to be intimidated by this technology. I'm going to actually, because you, you have you you have to actually it's a learning gap for some you know you have to to learn uh a little bit or whatever so um you know it's just like you know some people were more comfortable with the flip phones and then now all of a sudden <laughs> we don't have those uh flip phones anymore so as it's just the changing of the times and people have to get you know be comfortable enough to where they can feel comfortable to learning something new that will benefit them in the long run you know and benefit our society uh in the long run dr barnett one of and and i i'm gonna ask this question and i understand if if you kind of want to step away from it but one of the things that i'm hearing a significant amount about 
um, is the, this term critical race theory and, and how it's being implemented into educations everywhere. And yeah. honestly, like six months ago, I'd never even heard that and had no clue about it. And, <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm kind of like, caught off guard by this and, and not that I'm like the most intelligent person I, I do not plan to be but like most of the time I'm like I, I think I would know some of this stuff here what is that a new technology is this a new thing what's going on here what what's happening with that because I, I think we need to put it like to bed or, or at least have a, a solid understanding <laughs> right you know and so yeah there's a lot of uh conversation about critical race theory and uh to my understanding um i'm i'm learning as well um so uh but to my understanding it's about you know uh, about uh legislation and about uh policies and things like that and how uh that um race is just not about uh it's just not about racism it's about how all of these social economic issues you know uh that factor into you know our everyday lives which um can produce you know uh equitable uh equity issues and things like that or whatever so um in in my terms that's how i i view it and uh, anytime that you're talking about uh race and how uh, the the views on that, the different perspectives on that, and how it may be taught in schools and things like that. Uh, it's going to be a hot topic, and people, um, leaders, and people are going to want to control that as much as possible. And so, I don't have a problem uh, with because with talking about it because it's it's all education. You know, and so, um, but again, there's this fear factor, you know, there that, well, we have to see what's going to be taught. We have to know what is this critical race theory and how it's being taught and uh, how it's going to impact, you know, students and, and everyone else. And it's just like, you know, let's, let's just have an a open conversation about it. Why? Well, we have an open discussion about it, you know, instead of mm -hmm. saying, well, you know, shutting it down and saying we can't talk about, you know, this topic right here. We don't want it in our schools. We don't want it, you know, uh, taught, uh, you know, at any level. And I, I really don't think that, you know, that that's fair. Mm -hmm. I think that we are, you know, we live in a society and, and in America where we can, you know, talk about these things and come to an understanding about them. And it, and it, helps our future again mm -hmm. it, it uh helps the next generation um to to help them deal with some of these issues that's still going to be you know issues in the next 10 20 years so mm -hmm. that you know th those are my thoughts around it but um you know it's no different you know than talking about critical race theory which is a hot topic than talking about all of the biases and things that issue that you know around technology you mm -hmm. know and around artificial intelligence and things like that so a, a lot of these um hot topics if you will um are just things that we need to talk about and that the younger people need to express their views on it because you know they're going to be the ones like you said like we talked about earlier you know uh they're going to be in these careers and you know it's going to have an impact you know on how they live their lives but definitely how they are impacting um us as we get older you know so, um, yeah, these are very hot topics and trending right now. And, uh, you know, I think the critical race theory has, you know, is, is out, you know, just as diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, was mm -hmm. talked about extremely a lot five years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, so as we... Uh, broke down diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, critical race theory is no different, you know, uh, and I think that the more uh, we discuss it and the more we share our views and uh, perspectives on it, the more we get educated, you know, about what is what it is and what it is not, you know, I think the better off we'll be.
That, that made me feel better, Dr. Barnett. So thank you for that. <laughs> Not that yeah. that's your job in any way to make me feel better, but it did. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Now, no. I want to I want to switch as and I know we're, we're kind of getting close on, on time here, but I want to <laughs> switch to kind of another area within your expertise and kind of shift to more of the higher education, kind of where you're really ingrained right now. Currently, your, your background is definitely within in education as a whole. Um, I feel like university education, college education, higher education um, is at this almost tipping point to be something um, exactly the same as it's been for the last hundred years or yeah. completely revolutionized in the next two years. Um, where, where do you see it going? What do you, what do you see it being? I'm with you. I think it could be completely revolutionized in the next few years um, if we if we allow it to be, mm. you know, um, like we were discussing, you know, having those office hours, you know, conveniently uh, online where students can just log on and and speak to you uh, and, you know, not really. Uh, being forced to come face to face, you know, with, uh, you know, with your, you know, instructor or, uh, or, or anyone, but just, you know, having that flexibility to say, okay, I'm going to take this course online, or I'm going to, uh, or, or I want to go into a classroom. So when I was at uh, my education at uh, NIU started off actually as a hybrid uh, program. Yeah, because um, my master's degree uh, for instructional technology, actually, I was living in Springfield, uh, Illinois as a teacher. And I started, um, I seen the program online and I was like, oh, well, this sounds interesting because I only had to come to campus uh, once every quarter, I believe, or once or twice every quarter. So I was like, well, I can make that drive to DeKalb from Springfield, you know, once, you know, one weekend out of, you know, every two months or whatever, you know, so that was the, um, the, the convenience and the flexibility allowed me to still, um, enroll at NIU and, um, and graduate from this hybrid program, um, because the flexibility was there, you know, and I think that that, providing those opportunities where students can have the freedom and the choice of saying, okay, I can take this, uh, my schedule allows me to take a, uh, take a one hour class face-to-face -face, or, you know, during this hour, I need to, uh, you know, make it more convenient, you know, for me to go online, you know, because we, uh, you know, are dealing with young adults here when you're talking about education. So, you know, some students um, have families, you know, already, you know, some uh, young adults have children already. And so maybe that they need to be close to a daycare center where they don't have to spend that traveling time to, the, to go to the classroom, but they can just hop on, um, you know, they can drop their child off and then hop online in the next five minutes or whatever to go to class. So, um, you know, and, I, and I'm saying that because um, during my hybrid uh, class too, I was taking care of my mom and, you know, my, uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter um, who, uh, you know, I, I did have to do that. I had to, uh, you know, juggle between, you know, making sure my mom got to her appointments, I got to my mm. appointments, my daughter got to her appointments and still trying to, you know, go to work and go to school, you know, on all of this or whatever. So it helped me. Um, and so I, I know it would do wonders uh, for, for other students, you know, too. So just having that flexibility and convenience, you know, I think that, you uh, you know, the universities uh, should be gravitating to. And NIU has, uh, with uh, Dr. Freeman, President Freeman, I think that she's done a, a great job in bringing, you know, those type of, uh, you know, flexibility um, and different resources to students to have that. So, um, I'm glad that I, I'm glad to see the work uh, that that NIU is doing in in that way, and that they're continuing to uh, 
you know, be a voice and advocate uh, for students. Now, there's still some work that needs to be done, you know, of course. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just to think that I, uh, when you talk about universities, I've always really wanted to go to a traditional HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um, I've went to a uh, Chicago, where well, Illinois has uh, PBIs, predominantly Black institutions. Like I've graduated from Chicago State, mm-hmm. you know, um, and Kennedy King College. So, but I would have always wanted to go to maybe a Spelman or a mm-hmm. different uh, HBCU. And so now, through technology, they're offering high uh, online classes too. So, <laughs> you know, um, not saying that I'm going to enroll anytime soon I, I think I got a lot of education now you know but um but yeah if I, if I would have had those opportunities like 10 years ago wow you mm-hmm. know um it would have been awesome you know so just to think of where you know uh universities uh in in the next couple of years can go I mean the opportunities are uh are endless you know uh, for students and uh, for teaching and learning, you know, in a, uh, at the university level. Dr. Burnett, I, I, I think you you have an incredible perspective, and and I wanna I wanna end our conversation on on one quick question, and and it's just out of pure curiosity and and just being impressed by who you are. Where where do you where do you see yourself going? Where's your your final goal? Or are we gonna see Dr. Barnett as a president of a university, maybe one of those HBCs, <laughs> one of those days? Uh, well, um, no. So uh, I I don't well. I'm, I'm not going to tune it out or anything like that, but I, I definitely, you know, want to be always uh, inspiring, you know, to the next generation and to my own uh, kids that I have, you know, and my family. Um, I hope in the in the future that I will continue to be a voice and continue to, uh, you know, help others, you know, as they, you know, matriculate through, you know, the university and things like that, and that, um, and that they continue to overcome some of these systemic barriers that I have experienced and that they will uh, experience. Uh, And and hopefully to make, you know, and we started off with this conversation with this question, you know, my passion is, is to help people. That's why I'm in education. So to continue to do that through using education and technology uh, as a, as a uh, pathway to do that, you know, and also um, been, been very, uh, you know, prominent in, in the communities uh, too, because I think it starts there too. So just bringing, making more of my communities, more of a community, you know, I hope that that will, uh, I will continue to do that um, in that, in that way and to continue to help people. Well, Dr. Barnett, um, I'm I'm speaking for myself, but I know that there are probably numerous people in your community on this campus and, and in your family that are inspired by who you are. And I, I truly am grateful for you spending some time with us and sharing your perspective. This was this was wonderful. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Gateway brought to you by NIU's College of Business. Please make sure to subscribe to The Gateway. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. And if you are so inclined, please feel free to give us those five-star ratings, which help allow us to continue to bring wonderful guests to the gateway. Thank you all for listening. And remember to love always the promise of tomorrow today. Today.